everybody. Welcome to you guys five movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. You are listening to episode 106 of the Spin Chagrin, and last week's category was the art of the kickbox. So, Franklin, what did you come up with for the art of the kickbox? <clears throat> so, we're going to talk about two films this evening. Mm. Um, I'd like to preface this by saying that I realized watching the first film that I watch an inordinate amount of movies that involve some sort of kickboxing. Hmm. Um, so it was hard to find one that I hadn't seen. And then I found one I hadn't seen and one that I think I've only seen a little bit of because I didn't remember a lot of it um, for the second movie. But this first one is the Chagrin movie. And then the second one is just a, like a bonus, you know, aperitif in the, the Spin Chagrin universe, I guess. Um, I'm a bit... I, Tell me I have a love-hate love, hate relationship with the kickboxing movie because they tend to be entertaining and they usually have some really funny moments, but they all tend to be the exact same movie by and large. Because hmm. um, when it comes down to it, it's just like a couple of dudes in the ring like kicking at each other. And it's always basically the same plot. Like somebody's been wronged by somebody else. And then there's some young upstart that is trying to avenge something or prove something in the cutthroat world of kickboxing. Like, I guess that maybe it's like a precursor to the UFC. Cause I don't really like remember this as a kid, but I guess that like kickboxing was super popular in like the early to mid eighties. Mm-hmm. So my theory, this is just like, whatever, like my armchair, historical analysis theory is that you had all these men that went to fight in like the Vietnam war and they spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia and got to experience like Asian martial arts in a time when it wasn't really like prevalent in the U S Okay, and they came back to the U S and or they stayed, you know, whatever in, in Asia because our forces were stationed in Thailand specifically um, during that time. And, you know, they either learned it or became enamored with it and came back and opened up martial arts schools where they taught kickboxing and it just kind of caught on. Um, And then our second movie um, is by the guy that really like kind of popularized kickboxing in the U S and sort of made it a thing that all of us knew, I think when we were kids, but we're going to go a different direction at first. Um, We're going to talk about, 1992's direct-to-video epic Final Impact, um, starring Lorenzo Lamas and a bunch of other people. Um, That's fantastic. Okay. Has Lorenzo appeared on the podcast before? I don't think he has, but looking at his filmography, I think he might again, um, because he's he's in some pretty pretty amazing stuff. Um, So... This is a motherfucker we need to do a deep dive on someday. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> so the movie opens showing a flashback of, um, well, it doesn't open with this, but it started early on. This happens. Um, Lorenzo Lamas is Nick Taylor, who was a champion kickboxer that was um, badly beaten um, by a younger kickboxer named Jake. Um, Jake was vicious. And basically beat the shit out of Nick. And I think, like, broke his legs or something. But he put him in a wheelchair for a while and also stole his wife. So Nick is, like, this 
hard drinking kickbox gym owner who like puts on these fights and basically just spends his time ignoring his like um his girlfriend and being drunk and being bitter about like his loss in the past. Mm. So it's one day this one day this young kid Danny arrives and Danny is the light heavyweight kickboxing champion of Ohio. Um, <laughs> and that is said like many times that um you know he like like this is his title. And his desire is to go to the kickboxing world championship in Las Vegas um, and become the kickboxing champion of the world. Right. Um, so representing Ohio. <clears throat> well, eventually representing the world. Sure. So let me say, first of all, that most reputable kickboxing movies take place. Typically they go to Thailand, but also like, you know, other Southeast Asian countries, but that's usually where like the championship is held because that's where like the champion kickboxers are. Mm-hmm. But in the case of the world of um, fatal impact, or final impact, sorry. Um, final impact. Uh, it's Las Vegas. That's 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 the place. Yeah. Yeah. So Nick watches Danny fight in the ring, and he's like, "Yeah, this kid's got it." Um. So Nick decides that um after like some convincing that he wants to train Danny. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. Nick, Nick wants to train Danny right away, but Danny doesn't really want to train him. Um. So Nick like kind of convinces him to come like hey like let me let me just show you what i know so danny goes there and um finds that danny's like really like cocky and headstrong and nick uses some like tricks to like basically like knock him down and and humble him um so they start to train together um and they kind of form this like father-son type bond Mm. um so they're getting ready. They're going to go to, um, going to go to Las Vegas. Um, Danny starts winning more matches and Nick's like, you know, solidly like, Oh yeah, this is my guy. Um, Nick, despite being like a drunk has a mansion basically that he lives in. Um, and this is where you get like the emoting of the movie where, um, Maggie, who's Nick's like girlfriend, um, is basically like you can't you can't get involved in this again. Like it broke you before. He's like, I'm gonna do what I want. Um and she threatens to leave him and then they make up and whatever. So um they all go to Las Vegas, uh, and this happens re- relatively quick. Um, where they're going to Vegas and they're gonna compete in the world championship. So early on, uh Danny or Nick and Nick runs into Jake and there's like some tension between them um, where Jake's basically like wants to fight him again. And Nick is kind of like held back by Maggie and, oh, you can't fight this guy. But then secretly they make this deal to fight each other. Um, Whereas he's training with Danny, he thinks that like he starts to remember like how great it was to be in the ring and how great of a kickboxer he was. So, um, he ends up like they're in the they're in Vegas, all of them together, and Maggie's playing the slots while Nick and Danny are playing blackjack, and Danny keeps winning and Nick keeps losing, and so Nick gets increasingly drunk, 
and Maggie gets increasingly drunk. And finally, um, Nick starts like trying to hook up with this floozy at the bar and Maggie sees him and she runs away. So, and this is like the night before the big tournament, of course. Um, and really like, this is one of those, like, it's, it's weird because they show this montage of like these fighters advancing through the tournament, but they don't really show much and only last for like six or seven minutes. Okay. So oddly enough for like a kickboxing movie, most of this movie takes place in like the world of like love and I don't know, broken relationships or whatever. Anyway, so Nick makes this deal with um, uh, Jake's manager, who's this, like, sleazy, I don't know, like, Las Vegas bookie-type guy, that they're going to have a rematch in the Neon Graveyard. Um, and the Neon Graveyard is this, like, place in, I don't know if this, I don't know if this is a real place, but where, like, all the old um, signs from the casinos are set up. Um, and... They get in like a kickboxing match, but it's no holds barred. Anything goes in the neon and, graveyard. Yeah. Wow, um, Jake ends up like basically beating the shit out of Nick and crippling him. Um, oh, I'm sorry. So the night before that, when Nick is Nick is drunk and he tries to go home with the he goes home with the floozy, but he can't get it up. So she leaves him hmm. and Maggie goes to Danny's hotel room and tries to seduce him. But Danny's basically like, yeah, that's probably not a good idea. Hold considering on. Dan- you're like Jake? my mentor's girlfriend, and or- also I have a fight tomorrow. Um, oh no, so Danny. Okay, I got you. Dan- Dan- Danny's the world champion yeah, of Ohio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Nick comes up to the the room and kind of forces his way in, um, and he's like, "You slut!" And then he goes to hit her, and Danny stops him, and he's like, "What have I done?" And then he leaves. Um. <laughs> So then he goes and he has the fight with Jake and he gets crippled. Um, and while they're in the fight, the Nick's like friend who lives in Vegas, who used to train with them, who's now like kind of retired, but is sort of like a trainer in his own right. Like he like just works in Vegas. Um, goes to call the goes to call an ambulance. So Maggie and Danny arrive in, at, at the Neon Graveyard because someone tips them off that that's where he is. Mm-hmm. And they take Nick's, like, broken body to the hospital. So Maggie's in the hospital with Nick, and they share this, like, heartfelt moment. And then Nick fucking dies. Like, he's just dead. What? What? Yeah. Like, his his wounds were too much. So before we move on to, like, the end piece of this movie, let's recap the fact that this guy, Jake, who's a professional fighter like on a fighting circuit in Vegas, like akin to like modern MMA or like boxing or whatever, um, murdered a man right in the middle of the city. Mm-hmm. And then people were just okay with that because it was a no holds barred match, like an sure. unsanctioned, no holds barred match. So anyway, so Nick dies. So Maggie is like all broken up. Um. Oh, she was gonna leave Nick at one point because after their whole like, she was she went to the airport, but then she couldn't stand it, so she came back, and that's when she meets up with Danny. That's when they find out that he's like going to fight this illegal fight. Hmm. Um. Well, she dodged a bullet there. She doesn't have to break up with the guy now. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so 
she didn't want to come and watch Danny fight, but then Danny gets in the ring and he's fighting Jake because, of course, like he's made it to the finals against Jake and she's like, don't fight him. It's just going to end up terrible. And he's like, no, I've got to do this. Um, But then Jake starts like, you know, it, it's actually evenly matched at first, but then Jake kind of like cheats a little bit and like starts to knock um, Danny down and is hitting him with like roundhouse kicks and stuff and um, Danny's on the ground and he's kind of like bloodied a little bit, but then he looks up and sees that Maggie is finally showing up in the audience and he thinks back to his training and he just stands up and kicks Jake in the face. And that's the end of the match. Like Fuck he knocks him. him out. Yeah. And then he's now the world champion of the world. Um, <laughs> and that's it. That's the movie. Okay. And I'd like to tell you that there's like more to it than that, but there really isn't. I mean, there's a lot of stuff with, Lorenzo Lamas like pensively like regretting the fact that he lost you know this match and can I ever come back from this and oh I I can't fight anymore and Maggie like oh you need to stop drinking um yeah but I mean really that's that's the whole movie Mm. and in a lot of ways like I just described 80% of the kickboxing movies I've ever watched you know like right um, what is it like? Uh, Blood Fist is like this. Um, Kickboxer Two, you know, is uh this man killed my brother. Now I'm gonna go and fight in a tournament and show him that the family's still tough. And then he beats the guy, and um, it's always like somebody, like some ragged underdog that's got like all this skill. Um, going through some tournament scene and fighting some nameless guys and um, eventually like overcoming the odds and becoming the champion or knocking out the guy that, you know, causes his family, his friend, his fiance, whatever, like irreparable harm. Um, they always like hold back at the end before they deliver the killing blow because they're above, you know, the ruthless tactics that the other people use. Um. This, this, is so good drink, this is a good drinking game. I guess your mileage may vary. Well, so anytime you get a slow-mo shot of somebody bouncing up from being knocked down and making like a raw face, <laughs> um, you'd have to take a shot. <laughs> and anytime um, some shady manager... Oh, because what is that? What, what's that movie I just watched? I've seen so many of these. They all run together. I was... I was, I was talking to you about this movie like is this a kickboxer 2 yes yeah kickboxer 2 where the guy from thailand the evil guy from thailand that killed jean-claude van damme in kayfabe comes back and then he's fighting the younger guy in um los angeles and they fight in the ring it's the same thing you know right it's this one leans less into the whole like Muay Thai aspect of it, which the better ones are like more involved in like blood sport and um, uh, the kickboxer movies and um, that opening scene. And what is it? Rambo three or whatever. Um, this is more about just like, I guess like the professional world of fighting and yet they can still murder Lorenzo Lamas in the middle of the neon graveyard. Well, um, what happens in the neon graveyard, you know? It stays there, right. It's right. true. I mean, um, it, it, it's, it's funny because it's like the Sands Casino and 
gold rush and it's just like these old neon signs that form this like makeshift like MMA cage. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually a, it's actually a pretty cool scene from a visual yeah. perspective. But no, I can imagine him be. I was fine with him. Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of like roundhouse kicks and knees and you know screaming and. Yeah, apparently, apparently, according to Wiki here, the final maneuver is the flying wushu style half butterfly kick. Is what knocks Jake out, apparently. Yeah, I mean it. It, it does its job because Jake like just crumbles in the corner, and Danny gets to celebrate. And I really thought that Danny and Maggie were going to get together, but then that doesn't happen. No, um, no, he just holds up the belt, and she kind of disappears, and it's him and the guy that was um, Nick's best friend are like celebrating together in the ring along with the referee and mm. the predominantly like white middle-aged crowd is like freaking out. Um, yeah. I don't know. I wish I could give you more, but there's really not much like to this movie. Um, yeah. You realize that the, uh, that the Danny character's name is Danny Davis, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. What is that? Were you talk, trying to trying huh? to uh, get me to like shoot on uh, <laughs> dangerous Danny Davis? That's probably a different podcast, but uh, no, no, I'm just saying. His name's Dan Davis. That's a hmm. uh, he's the he's the light heavyweight champion of Ohio. Yes, and Danny Davis uh, is, was a was a longtime trainer in Ohio. Um, as well. That's where it comes from. Maybe. So um, I wish I would have known about this ahead of time because, man, is there a lot of shit that I would love to like dive deeper into with some of the people that are in this fucking movie and make this movie. So the director of this oddly has a period of three years where he makes a bunch of movies. There's one called... They're all 4.6 to 4.8. Final Impact is a 4.6 on MDIB. But he has one called Living the Die, then Final Impact, so it's 90, 92, another movie in 92 called Street Crimes, and a movie in 93 called Magic Kid. Um, Living the Die is a burnout private detective. Um, oh, he wrote this, sorry, the, the guy that directed it. A burnout private detective in Las Vegas gets involved in blackmail and murder. Um, the director of this is Wings Hauser, the star of this is also Wings Hauser. Yeah, that makes sense. Then there's street crimes. Two cops, one with a gun and one with his fist. God, this sounds fantastic already. Risk everything to make the neighborhood crime and drug-free by taking down the most powerful street lord. He wrote and directed this. Dennis Farina and Michael Worth, um, who just <laughs> played Danny Davis um, in this movie. Yeah. And then Magic Kid, his karate action and laughs never cease when a brother and sister go to California to visit their uncle. They soon discover that he's an alcoholic on the run from the mob who want him to pay up or else. Um, Stephen First, if you know who I'm talking about, is, yeah, yeah. is the uncle. <laughs> These we all sound the- very chagrin worthy. Yeah. This guy might be a, a chagrin, um, a chagrin hero. Yeah, yeah. Sure, that's one word for it. I mean, look, this movie's like it's not a good movie, but 
it's like enjoyable enough. You know, I I was fine watching it. Yeah. It held my interest. So what's your final score on this? It's like a six. You know, I mean, yeah. there's nothing great about it. It's kind of like buoyed by Lorenzo Lamas, just like being this oily, unctuous drunk. I'm I'm kind of a fan of that. Yeah. Um, Danny Davis, uh, not the greatest actor. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny because like the lady that plays Maggie, um, I don't even know what her name is. Mimi so- or something? Maggie, no, Maggie is Kathleen Kinmont, um, who also starred on Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas. And I looked uh-huh. into her while you were talking, and it's because, and I figured when I saw that she was in Renegade, they were married for three years. She is oh, one, okay. she is one of six wives, um, of Lorenzo Lamas. Um, but they got divorced the year after this movie was made, <clears throat> probably because they had to go watch it together or something. <laughs> Um, then he married uh, some uh, a woman who was like a penthouse playmate or something who was guest starring on Renegade. She became wife number four. Nice, good job, yeah. Lorenz. Yeah, let me uh, let me let me show you something real quick. Hold on, I gotta bring you up. Yeah. All right, this is eighty nine Lamas right here. Isn't this a guy that benefits from a beard? Oh yeah, you got a weak chin. Yeah, hold on. That's in, um, Final Impact because he's got the five o'clock shadow. This, this is like ten years ago. Like this guy needs a beard all the time. He does. Yeah. So, like, basically, Renegade Final Impact here, Lamas is peak Lamas because he's got it a is. beard. It's peak Lamas just because he's like the perfect encapsulation of Lorenzo Lamas. Yeah. Is the world weary, like guy with a ass and taking know, a taking a gallon jug of water and pouring it over his head. <clears throat> well, he's not that cool yet. That's future Lamas at that's, this point. That's no, that's Renegade Lamas, man. That's what I mean. Isn't that like ninety three, ninety four Renegade? It's the same year, actually. Believe oh, it or not. Yeah. Oh. Renegade starts in ninety two. Five year, five year run, man. Renegade. You know, I've never seen a whole episode of Renegade. Really? Yeah. Well, when Renegade was on TV, it was on USA, and yes. um, we didn't have cable, so mm-hmm. I had no way to watch Renegade. So I would like see Renegade sometimes at like my friends' houses, like randomly, like the opening of it or whatever. Because I think it was on at what, like six thirty or something, right? Uh, it was a primetime show for quite a while, but they, because they own the rights to it, they would just like syndicate the fuck out of it and yeah, show it at like five, six, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I always thought of it as like the getting ready to have dinner at a friend's house and Renegade is coming on. So you never really get to see Renegade. Um, see, I don't really have any like knowledge of that move of that show, but except that the opening of it. Um, I was always jealous of all all these people that had cable and could watch like all these great shows. <laughs> these great shows like Silk Stalkings and Renegade. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm pretty yeah, sure at it. one point Renegade might have come on after Monday Night Raw for a bit. <clears throat> there definitely right. was a connection to wrestling because I think I think I borrowed like somebody had taped Raw maybe or something, and I borrowed it, and I remember having like Renegade is 
So there, it was on around Raw somewhere. Yeah. <clears throat> oh. So anyway, I'm, so, I'm glad. Good. I hope Lorenzo Lamas comes back again because it looks like there's plenty to talk about about that dude. <clears throat> now we're going to talk about the better movie um, okay. that involves kickboxing, although in a less traditional sense because this is the shady world of underground bum fight kickboxing. Mm. Um. So we're going to talk about 1990s Lionheart. Uh, oh, sorry. Jean-Claude Van Damme, um, Deborah Renard, Harrison Page, Lisa Pelican, um, Brian Thompson of X-Files fame. Is mm-hmm. in this movie. I, um, I, I, I watched this on Skinamax probably in like 91, 92 or something like that. Yeah. So I would have sworn to you that I had seen Lionheart before, but I think that's just because I get so confused with like the glut of the Van Damme. Um, got to revenge somebody uh martial arts movies from this time period um so lionheart is actually like not to like whatever bury not bury the lead but not to like spoil anything but lionheart i think was actually like a really enjoyable movie like i really like <laughs> watching lionheart um and i really thought that was not going to be the case i thought it was going to be terrible which is why i watched it um so the movie opens with a gang like surrounding this man and the man like opens up a package of cocaine and goes this is just sugar and the leader of the gang is like yeah no shit and this is gasoline and then they light the dude on fire and like basically burn him to death Mm. and that's how the movie opens which is a pretty fantastic that's good yeah um, so then it cuts to the middle of the desert where Jean-Claude Van Damme is a foreign legion soldier um, who doesn't take no gruff. God damn it. Siri, shut the fuck up. Um, who doesn't take no gruff and who finds out that his brother, um, who's the guy in the opening scene, has been murdered and has left his sis- his sister-in-law and his niece alone. Um, so he asked for release um, from his position in the Foreign Legion to go back and take care of things. And the Foreign Legion says, no, um, you gave up your family when you joined the Foreign Legion. And he's like, um, well, fuck this. And so he beats up like a bunch of Foreign Legion guys and steals the Jeep and basically escapes. Um, so he stows aboard this ocean-going freighter um, where he works in the boiler room and hides out and gets taken to America and he had, they had told him that he was going to Los Angeles because that's where his sister-in-law was. Um, But instead he goes to New York. So he escapes from the boat because they're trying to basically like make him an indentured servant um, Mm. since they know that he's a fugitive Um, and he swims to New York city. And now he's like homeless. He doesn't know what to do. Um, doesn't know how he's going to get to Los Angeles. So he sees this group of people gathered together and he's like, oh, what's going on over here? And it's like a bum fight, like basically underneath like an underpass. There's just this group of like homeless people fighting and people betting on it. Um, so he, they, they ask like, who's our next challenger? And he kind of raises his hand and just beats the shit out of the guy that comes and like challenges him. Like, no, no problem. Um, so this guy, um, Hold on, I gotta look at his name. Just out of curiosity, uh, is there is there any postmodern tech in this dumb fight? 
No, 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 no. Okay. It's just a bunch of like. That's hobo okay. Just making sure it's important for later uh, in the year. Okay. Yeah, no, this is not like some kind of um, prequel to whatever Robo Jocks or whatever fucking Van Damme movie. <laughs> um, which we will watch someday, I promise you. Robo-jocks. Or we'll talk about someday. Um, so Joshua, um, who's this like disheveled like bum himself um who manages the fights um so jean-claude van damme's name is leon l-y-o-n but nobody can pronounce that because it's america and who needs to like sure understand whatever other languages so they call him lion um so joshua takes him under his wing and he's like hey you know um if you need money to get across the country like we can earn a lot of money um, so he goes to uh, Cynthia, um, who's this kind of like queen of the bum fights, um, and arranges to have um, Van Dam fight like in a fight there. Uh, so she kind of like rigs it where she hypes everybody up that like her current champion is going to be able to beat him, but then she bets her money on him. Um, and Van Dam beats the guy in one punch because the guy goes to kick him, and Van Dam punches him in the dick, and that like completely incapacitates the dude. So Makes that's sense. the end of the fight. Yeah. Uh, so they win ten thousand dollars, and then Cynthia's like, "Hey, you know, why don't you come fight for me like more? Like we can earn a lot of money." And Van Dam's like, "Nah, I got all I need." And she's like, "Well, seriously, you could earn like a lot of money." And he's like, "No, like this is enough for me." So. Cynthia like is all pissed off at Van Dam, and then Van Joshua is pissed off at him too because Joshua wants to earn a lot of money. So he's like, "Well, at least let me call you a taxi." So they're in like this shady neighborhood, and this gang of street toughs, I guess you would call them, like pops out. Are they Jatang? They might as well be because I, I I texted you guys this like it is the most like stereotypical like 80s envisioning of what a gang would look like so there's a bunch of guys with no shirts on and some kind of like outer jacket over their naked bodies so it's like one guy has like this big duster another guy's got like a bedazzled denim jacket um you know there's guys in like these like striped um tank tops because you know that makes that shows that they're tough because they're showing their muscles so, of course, Van Damme, like, just beats the shit out of him and chases him away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at this point, uh, Joshua, like, agrees, you know, to take him to go to um, Vegas or go to Los Angeles with him um, to go meet his sister, cause, sister-in-law, because that's where she is. So, they go across country, which I'm not quite sure how Van Damme is really able to go across country. Oh, so Cynthia first. Because Van Damme refuses to fight for her. Cynthia's like, well, at least, you know, like, let me pay for your trip to um, Los Angeles and you can, um, you know, I'll arrange for you to have one fight out there because I know people out in Los Angeles. And he's like, look, you don't understand. I don't want to fight anymore. Um, so they eventually get to Los Angeles and it turns out that his sister is like super pissed off or sister-in-law is super pissed off. Because he waited so long to come after the death of the um, brother. 
and she doesn't understand, and he tries to explain it, but she won't listen. And this is Van Damme at his most, like... I mean, I guess he said that this was the this is a movie that's most popular with, like, his female fans, is his claim, because it's about him being, like, a softie and, um, like, a lover and not a fighter, really. In mm-hmm. a lot of the movie, like, he's always trying to just do what's right for his family. Um, but she rejects him right away, and he doesn't know what to do. So they come up with this idea that they're going to create a fake insurance policy that the brother had left for her and Joshua will deliver checks to her that he's going of the winnings he's going to get from fighting for Cynthia now because he changed his mind um, and support his, his sister-in-law and his niece. Um, So then you get like one of the greatest fucking like fight montages in cinematic history because now you know, Leon is dedicated to the fight so he can earn as much money as possible. So he keeps fighting like, uh, let me think how it goes. It's the swimming pool. That. So the first fight is, fuck, hold on. I gotta, I, I gotta remember the first one is because it's really, uh, Sorry, I gotta. Is is it a dirty fighting Scotsman? Yes. Okay. So they're in like a a parking garage, and this fucking like dude in a kilt comes out, and he starts by cheating by like giving an eye gouge right away. Um, but Van Dam overcomes him pretty quickly. Like he beats him up. So then, um, the second fight is in like a racquetball court mm-hmm. and it's against a guy who's a pro wrestler. So this guy's like dropping elbows and like body slamming them. But again, like after Hold like, on, like a, like, a, so you mean like a real pro, like pro wrestling is real in this? Well, yeah. Like this guy, like his fighting style is like, you know, like, like in street fighter, like everybody has a different fighting style. Well, this guy, his fighting style is like wrestling. So he's got like body slams and, he, he looked himself into way. a shoot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He he really did. He kind of looks like a cross between um like hacksaw and uh I don't know, like Rick Flair maybe a little bit. Um cuz he's like a more slender hacksaw, he's got like the big beard and he's going like Rrr! like Does when he do a three point stance. No, he's okay. not that so of course Van Dam, like after a slight adversity, like beats the shit out of him and ends up kicking him through a window. So subplot that's going on this whole time is that the French Foreign Legion has sent two of their agents to come find Van Dam um, and bring him back because the reason that he was in the Foreign Legion was his brother um, came to visit him in Amsterdam and got caught trying to run drugs in. Um, and Van Dam took the fall for him because, as he said to his sister-in-law, um, my brother could never do time in prison, and I figured it was best just for me to do it. Mm. Um, and she was like, maybe prison would have done him good, and he would be alive today, um, which is probably an unrealistic idea because the guy was an idiot and ended up getting murdered. Um, so the Foreign Legion's like looking for Van Dam the whole time, too. So that's like the subplot that's going on. Um, so... The third fight 
is in an empty swimming pool where Van Dam is wearing a unitard and is wrestling against, I swear to God, Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who's also wearing a unitard, but who's doing like uh, <laughs> capoeira fighting, you know, like the Brazilian, mm. like jiu-jitsu shit. Yeah. Um, so, of course, like Van Dam beats the shit out of him. So the French Foreign Legion guys finally like catch up to him and they get in a fight. And one of them ends up hitting Van Dam with like a big pipe and like hurting his ribs. So now the tension is they're leading up to this like giant like fight against um the champion of the world, uh Attila, who's this like undefeated guy who likes to like figure out the weakness of his opponents and toy with them. Um, so Van Dam's hurt and going into this fight, and Joshua wants him to like just give it up, like just throw the fight. Um, so what Joshua does, because he thinks that Van Dam's too hurt, is he bets all his money on Attila, knowing that if Van Dam loses, they can at least still split the money. And then Cynthia, who's like kind of fallen, fallen out of, um, she's in lust with Van Dam for some of the movie, but he spurns her advances, so now she's going to destroy him. She like hypes up the crowd saying that she's bet all her money on um, Lion, Lionheart, but in reality has bet all of her money on Attila. So now, like, the stakes are really high. Um, so Van Damme and this Attila guy. And Attila's, like, picture, like, Meng, you know, circa, like, 1992 or 93. Like, he's just this big, like, Samoan-looking dude. Like, mm-hmm. they start fighting with each other. And Van Damme's, like, getting it in and bloodies his lip. Then, like, Attila just starts beating the shit out of him. So he knocks him down once, and Joshua's like, just give it up. Like, you know, you can quit now, and everything will still be okay. And... Van Damme's like, no, I need to win this fight. So he gets up and they fight some more and Attila knocks him down again. And everyone's like, oh, he's done. And then Joshua's like, I bet my money on Attila. Like, you'll still have half of our our um, our winnings. Like, you'll still be okay. And he says, no, I have to win. And he stands up and basically, like, just hawks up in front of Attila and then beats the shit out of him. Um, and it's actually really funny because he they're in, like, kind of a makeshift it looks like a Kentucky Derby tent, but with, like, a makeshift, like, ring. But if the ring didn't have ring, it was just, like, the barricades, like, around, a, like, a, a wrestling or boxing ring. Okay. So, Van Damme beats Attila up into Cynthia's lap. Um, and then is about to deliver the killing blow and kind of just realizes that it's not worth it to kill this guy. Um, and the French Foreign Legion dudes are there. And even though they're there to um, take him, uh, like, take him back to the Foreign Legion, like, arrest him, they start to really get into it, you know, and they're all excited, and they're rooting for um, Van Damme, too. They're rooting for Lion. Um, so they're taking, they're escorting him away, like, afterwards. And you find out that Cynthia, um, that's when you find out that Cynthia bet all of her money on Attila to win. And now she's broke. And the mansion where they were doing this, like, illegal or this underground fight, um, they're taking her back because she can't pay, like, her marker or whatever. Um, But nothing ever comes to that. You can never see, like, the end result of that. So Van Damme and his sister-in-law have made up, and she's come to, like, respect the fact that he came to take care of them. Um, But then the Foreign Legion has to take him away. So they've got him in the car, and they're driving him, like, for ostensibly to take him to jail and they stop and they're like 
get out of the car and live your life. We never saw you. And so he gets to run back and him and his sister-in-law and his niece and Joshua are all like, yeah, like mm, celebrating. Right. Like freeze frame, like, you know, in the air. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Um, so, yeah, so that's Lionheart. Um, yeah. I mean, Van Damme doing like some kickboxing shit in it. So it counts as a kickboxing movie. But it's not necessarily kickboxing because they're never in a ring or anything. Like it's all just like street fights. Sure. Um, I'll tell you this: Van Damme is a better actor than he ever got credit for, and I think like part of the problem was just the time that he was making movies. You couldn't like embrace a genre film like this and just enjoy it for what it is. Like critics had to be like ultra critical. Mm-hmm. And there's some silly stuff in it, and it's not like the best directed movie, but it's it's fine and it's entertaining. And I really liked him and as this character, um, and I can see like why he gained so much popularity like so fast because he really is like, you know, he's an attractive man and he's like in really good shape and he's a good fighter. And there's a certain like gravitas, you know, where I don't know, like some other actors of that same time period, you know, didn't really have anything behind, like just their ability to do martial arts or Mm -hmm. Steven Seagal. That's just a terrible actor or, um, right. Yeah. But uh, I, I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. The, um, the guy that directed this, this is his first, uh, (laughs) this is his directorial debut, but, uh, he was a screenwriter in the late eighties, um, who wrote blood sport, he co-wrote with Sly, Rambo 3, uh, served as the editor on Cyborg. And pretty much from that point on, he's largely associated with a couple of exceptions with uh, Van Damme for the rest of his career, it looks like. Yeah. Um, and kind of becomes maybe like a script doctor, it looks like, potentially, like for kind of lower budget movies. Uh, so he looks like he's also a chagrin hero. Um, so Lisa Pelican, who plays the sister-in-law, is one hundred percent our friend Orion's like perfect standard woman. Like she is like exactly what Orion like wants in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he- it's it's pretty. It was funny because I saw Brian Thompson and I was like, man, this dude looks so familiar. And I couldn't like, I, I, I kept thinking it was X-Files, but I was like, who was he in X-Files? And then it dawned on me that he's the alien bounty hunter in X-Files. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I didn't find out until afterwards when I was reading the Wikipedia article about it. But um, Billy Blanks actually has a role in this movie, the Tybo guy. Oh, yeah. Um, just as like some random... Uh, foreign legion guy that uh van damme beats the shit out of so but yeah um, it's um yeah i wish this, i would have had this, what is it this, this this fly flow take practice like tybo with billy blanks oh you're too kind really thanks like yeah um i haven't thought about billy blanks probably since doom released that song um <clears throat> so also i don't know if you remember this lisa pelican because i looked her up while you're talking um, Lisa Pelican, female lead in Ghoulies. Oh, yeah? Yep. Hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't really remember Ghoulies all that well. Really? 
Yeah, hmm. I mean, I've seen Ghoulies like twice, maybe. That's it? Yeah, for being like a movie that I think is probably generally considered to be like one of the predominant horror movies of our childhood. Um, I'm just not the yeah. big of a fan. Yeah, uh, this 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 is a conversation for next month on the primary podcast. Um, you and I have very distinct histories with '80s horror movies. I think that are like that diverge a lot, um, like overall, like of like what we saw or what we gravitated towards and stuff like that. Um, <clears throat> but that's a it's a deeper conversation. But yeah, I ghoulies, ghoul- I felt like I seen ghoulies like twenty times, like when I was a kid. Like or yeah. more, I've seen it maybe twice. I, mm-hmm. So, here's an embarrassing fact about ghoulies. Um, one of my biggest fears is the water. So, creature from the Black Lagoon, Jaws, like horrified me as a child, and like I, I had trouble getting in the pool, um, or anywhere that I couldn't see like everything in the water, or even if I could, like I would have this irrational fear that some underwater menace was going to come get me. Um, and the toilet scene in Ghoulies mm-hmm. is one of the scariest scenes of my childhood. Like the idea of this thing being in the toilet when you go to poop that can come up and like bite your ass, I guess, basically, or kill you. Like, yeah, it's just right. um, horrifying to me. So I think I didn't watch Ghoulies on purpose because of that for a long time. Yeah, I don't know why, but I'm uh, like it crosses my mind at times where I'm scared of snakes being in a toilet. Hmm. Well, that happens, but in, not a ghoulie uh, necessarily. Picasso Trigger, right? Isn't that the one that it happens in, or Heart Ticket to Hawaii? Maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah one of one of those um, Sidaris movies has mm-hmm. snake toilet. Yeah. Scary. Anyway, see so yeah, a Lionheart. Fun yeah. Time. Well, it sounds like you overall like in like kind of enjoyed both of them and yeah, I mean, even Final Impact like there's it's fine. It's it's entertaining and Lorenzo Lamas is like always fun to watch. Um so it's hard to shit on these movies too much for me just because again like that's my sort of my bread and butter is um you know. Right. Or one of them is like the martial arts. Yeah. But no, unfortunately they are also like all exactly the same movie for the most part. I'd like yeah, to find one that there's like, something comforting about that though, to some degree, to me. I think. Yeah, sure. What were you trying to find? What did you say? I want to find one that breaks the mold of that somewhat. Hmm. Um, the I female guess... organizer, I thought, was a nice break to the trope. Man, yeah, but they just kind of play her as like this. I don't know how to say it. Like, instead of being, like, this independent, strong woman, she's basically just trying to fuck Van Damme the whole time. Mm. Like, that's, like, her thing, is that she just wants to, like, get Jean-Claude in bed, and then when she can't, she, like, tries to destroy him. I don't know. So, that's not very good, that part. Well, I mean, not, not great representation, but representation, so, I suppose. Here's this hilarious scene. So basically, um, Joshua has known the Cynthia woman for a long time, so they've kind of both come up together. 
in terms of uh, um, the underground fighting scene. So when they get to Los Angeles, he's like, hey, I have a place for us to stay. And they go into this like swank penthouse. Um, and of course, it's Cynthia's penthouse. But Van Damme doesn't know this. So when he first walks in, there's a picture on the wall. And I don't know if I can find this picture. I'm going to have to go back and find it in the movie and send it to you. But it's of a naked woman bent over, like with her ass facing out of like the fourth wall, basically. Mm-hmm. Painting the like makeup on the face of a little boy. Mm. And Van, like they, they show this picture and then they show Van Damme's reaction to this picture, which is like unimpressed, but maybe like slightly bemused. And I guess that's the establishing thing to show that Van Damme like doesn't fit in high society. But I have no idea like what that picture represented or if it's something (laughs) I'm supposed to know or whatever. But it's just really, really weird. And they never show you the picture again. And that's just kind of it. Hmm. That's that's bizarre. Oh, you want to see what you get for next week? I do. If you can continue this. All right. I'm just going to watch Cats again anyway. How many times did you watch it this week? Well, this week I've only watched it once. Okay. I had other things to do, but I have watched it three times now. Okay. Right. Let's go ahead. Got one more. And I picked up a copy of Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Oh, nice. It's like pretty long. All right. Let's see here. Let's have... Category for next week is bemused, confused, and ready to abuse. <laughs> bemused, <laughs> confused, and ready to abuse. Uh, whose face was I describing? Sam Neil. Sam, yeah, you're right. Those are the three expressions that Sam Neil has. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, what movie was that? Oh, uh, I do not. I do not know that. Orion caught that. Um, caught that line. It's a good line, yeah. Yeah, and send it to me. Um, <clears throat> so, I, you got a lot of possibilities, I think, with that as well, if, if you want it. Fuck, what movie? I got, I got to look that up. That really is going to bother me. <laughs> because he has all three expressions just in that movie. Right. And it's accurate when you think about Sam Neill. Those are the three expressions <clears throat> that are like consistent. And I'm going to spend like six hours looking through this filmography. If I would look it up here, see if I can beat you. Now, Jesus Christ! Is it? Was it in the mouth of madness? Oh, no, it's got to be a no. It was bicentennial man, maybe. That's the only one that I'm seeing that would like definitely he would be in. Unless it was no, it would have to be a spin chagrin. So yeah. That's gotta be it. That's the only one that I think that appeared on a spin chagrin unless it's a Oh, movie. it is. It is because Sam Neill is the one that buys Robin Williams and buys Centennial Yes. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Um, 
one, two. Samuel's appealing appeared on this podcast more than I thought. Yeah, he's been in a number of times. Yeah. Not to keep track. Start keeping track of him. See how many times he's appeared. I mean, he won't appear much later. Um, you never know. I may have to watch the Sam Neill movie for the podcast now just because of this. Well, I don't count Spin Chagrin appearances towards the primary podcast, but I was just looking at primary podcast. He's appeared in more than I thought. <clears throat> it all rolled together for me. Mm-hmm. Want to watch a couple trailers? Yeah, since you don't want to talk about poor Carl Carl Weathers being dead. What do you want? What say say what you want about Carl Weathers? I think Carl Weathers is a more important figure in our lives than you give him credit for. No, I don't think that he's not. I'm just saying, what are you going to say? I don't know. He's an important, more important figure in our lives. We're going to make a stew, baby. We got a stew. Yes. Um, the the only interesting thing I had to say about Carl Weathers is that a lot of people, and you would get this, but most people wouldn't, is uh something I think that's like actually having rewatched is unappreciated is a couple episode arc that he does on the shield as Vic's old um kind of mentor. Yeah, that is really good. And it's a it's a really good like um sad dramatic performance from from Carl Weathers that like uh few people probably know about because n- not enough people have watched the shield and um <clears throat> is really important to the long term story of that show as well. That 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 even though he's only in it two episodes, like as a um, symbol, is really important to that show. Like with all the prevalence of streaming and everything, that the shield isn't more like popular or December. Who knows? Because who are we talking to? But. I just feel like the shield doesn't have the same popularity as some other shows from around the same time. Like if you give me a choice between watching the shield or sons of anarchy, like I will watch the shield like a hundred times before I watch sons of anarchy, you know, that's that's the right choice. I mean, but I mean, I I think the shield is denser for a lot of people compared to something that, I mean, sons of anarchy is dark, but it's like lighter, you know, it's, it's more, there's a little bit more fluff to it. Um, It's a lot easier. What's his name than big Mackie? Charlie Hunnam or whatever that's, that guy's yes, that's true. Charlie Hunnam is uh yes, it is much easier to look at him. Um I think it's also easier to this is again just like my like an armchair like psychoanalysis, but I think for most people in America it's easier to relate to the Robin Hood esque character who's the criminal but who's still is sometimes like fighting for good than the guy that's supposed to protect you and is in reality just like evil and only out for himself. Absolutely. You know? And the shield too, I mean, got like kind of discredited because it was way ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Like it really was. And it's, it's so like morally ambiguous all the time, like for mm-hmm. almost every character Except for maybe CCH Pounder's character. Um, she might be the only non-morally ambiguous character in the entire entire show. Yes. And there are even a couple of things towards the end of that show that's a little bit slightly questionable at times as whatever. I don't want to spoil anything. But I mean, if anybody wants to watch it. But it's... Um... <clears throat> I think it's top five show of all time. Like I'm, I'm oh yeah, it's top five of my yeah 
my favorite shows. Yeah. Um, solidly convinced of that. That's top five show of all time. But yeah, it's um, I think too because it's only been on Hulu always like during the streaming era and i think a lot of people maybe until like the disney stuff like and maybe still don't pay for like ad free i think hulu's ads were so intrusive and bad that a lot of people don't invest certainly in older hulu shows like they might just like watch the new stuff they want to watch and like deal with the ads but don't want to necessarily go back and be punished by those ads for watching stuff that they're not sure about from the past. Um, so I think the fact that it's only been on Hulu and hasn't like moved around like some other shows have um, is prohibitive in some ways to people yeah, watching it. Um, all right. So you told me about one lovely dark and deep um, that you wanted me to watch. So I'm going to go ahead and share the screen here. So, lovely, dark, and deep is the uh, is the movie here. I have this not... is streaming on um, February twenty second. Okay, cool. Good info. Where do you know? Video on demand. Okay, and in theaters as well. Oh, this is the whole yeah. yeah, yeah. You know this. I just know like the general concept of the Perhaps National Force. I can't remember what those are called. Yeah, the years, ain't you? Or something, or there's a number associated with people disappearing. The Appalachians. Morning Ranger. One one four spawning over. There's no database for people who go missing in the national park. And there are a lot of similarities between these cases. So basically, this is based off real real conspiracy theory. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a um, young lady that's a park ranger who's finding all kinds of, like, gradually, like, different clues about, like, these missing missing people mm -hmm. in the woods. Um, yeah, it's like real shit where people go missing in national parks, like, all the time in woods and shit like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's a lot of um banal imagery mixed with like creepy imagery. Right. Oh yeah. I mean I you and I are drawn to some of those same things, but just seeing some of the creepy imagery, it's the exact type of stuff that you like. It's that uh Exorcist three scene. I also they fill it as like cosmic car. Hmm. Yeah. Um which I feel is like overused script. But um if that's what it ends up being, I think that's pretty fantastic. Like I'm super excited to see it. Yeah. No, I yeah, that's a good trailer. Um There's also another trailer since I made you watch that. Yeah. Look up um Immaculate. Have you seen that trailer yet? Mm. Maybe. I think awesome. you'll hate it. Um Oh no! I actually have this on a word document for us to uh, for us to watch, and I didn't watch it. Um, no, so let me okay. watch it, again and I'll watch it with you. Okay. Oh, ad. What's this ad for? Got Heather Graham. Yeah, that's the um, suitable flesh movie. Hmm. Okay. Um, it was. God, okay. I, used to, I used to be in love with Heather Graham. Oh, she's really is... attractive. 
this is it the sydney sweeney movie yeah this is this tra- is, is this one of my tropes is this trailer before a trailer or is this the trailer it's trailer before a trailer fucking hell okay It's nuns, man. It's your favorite thing. Hmm. Spooky nuns. Yeah. Hello? There's some imagery in this that I think looks pretty amazing, but I don't know how I feel about it as a whole. I think religious horror is like cheap in a lot of ways, but who knows? Oh, Neon is also the company that's putting out long looks. Yes, I'm still searching for what that reason is. You see Neon, you see IFC Films, you see Gravitas. Like, those are... um. Probably like seventy percent. They're going to be enjoyable horror movies. Yeah, that X Y Z is. I'm seeing that a lot more too. The one that was yeah. just the yep. previous trailer. Out of all the women in the world. Yeah, scary is nuns. It, is this out now? I have no idea. Hmm. I've been seeing Sydney Sweeney's name a lot recently yeah she was in something recently that was really popular but i can't remember what suffering hmm. it sort of reminds me of that movie that we watched that you hated that i liked a lot um the evil superhero woman evil Do you remember that movie was called no, I don't even remember what you're talking about. She's is this, a... is this a red band trailer? They just show like some fucking nipple through that? Like it's uh through a shirt. Yeah, still. I don't know. It's surprising YouTube. for a trailer. Yeah. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean whatever. I mean that's something like I I think I could see I I'd watch it. Um You don't remember that movie we watched where it's the girl who goes to investigate the death of her brother at this like um like old like church built on this pagan worship site oh yeah jenna jenna malone is in it right yeah yeah what, what's, what's that movie called fucking hell i watch Frank. too many movies you do i mean but no it's it's not you man they all just fucking sound all the names sound alike watch this have like some kind of like really fucking unique name or something um when I look it up, what? Oh, by the way, I found my um abuse confused, bemuse confused, and ready to abuse. Uh, Conse- consecration, yeah, consecration. That's free somewhere now. Never um, shutter maybe. Well, if it's on shutter. I guess oh, it's not free, but right. free free itch. Uh, yeah, it was on shutter before. I think wasn't it? It might have been. I don't know. I didn't have Shutter for a long time. Uh, let's see. It is, I'm assuming it is. Um, it says it's on Hulu, but I don't trust that. It says it's on AMC Plus as well, so that's probably Shutter. Is yeah. my guess. You know what? I started watching tonight, <laughs> and I watched like five minutes of it, and I said I cannot watch this movie. Mm. Um, Immortals. Yeah. It's about 13 years old. It's like a reimagining of. Uh, Macedonian myth, maybe or Persian myth. I can't remember. Hmm? Greek myth, really? Greek. It's Greek, right? I mean, I see Theseus's name here, so I mean, like, uh, who else? Athena, Zeus. Yeah, it's Greek. Yeah, okay, Greek. All right. Well, I wouldn't know because you watched five minutes of it. I couldn't do it. 
Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the opening. So here's the funny thing. Oh, this is the cell dude. Yeah. Okay. So there's this movie on Shudder called Villains. Have you seen that pop up? On where? It's on Shudder. It's called Villains. No. So let me read you the teaser description for this one. I got to find it. After a pair of amateur criminals break into a suburban home, they stumble upon a dark secret that two sadistic homeowners will do anything to keep from getting out. Which is basically more or less the plot of a movie that you and I wanted to write. Like Right. Yes. Um, but getting out of the Zach Brave pipeline. So I guess I had Immortals like I had like looked at it. And then, like, backed out of it. And I thought I hit play on villains. <laughs> so, Immortals started. And uh-huh. I was like, man, this is really bold. Because it's, like, these, like, zombies, like, chained in this, like, glowing cage. And there's, like, mystical energy all around them. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, this really is some secret these guys got in the basement. Um, And then I realized I had hit play on Immortals by accident. <laughs> poor, so poor Tarsum. I'm not um, doing this shit. yeah. You don't need to. Um, tell you what, man, we're real tired of Henry Cavill in anything. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't care. You don't want no Cavill. No, I want none. <laughs> want, Have want... you ever watched Pontypool? Not yet. I have it saved on Prime or somewhere Hulu, some shit. Yeah, that's a that's a um something that it's now too late we should have already done it but um oh demon stew is on shutter by the way um yeah it listed as 1987 i don't believe that um pontypool is something that should have made uh a fresh five and it just missed its mark because uh, I watched it and then I forgot about it. When it, the, the Demon, Demons Two was released in America in '87, technically, but it was released in Italy in October of '86. I remember this. I already did the research on. <clears throat> good job. You're good. Good um, job, Chrisopedia. <laughs> uh, have you? Did you watch the Long Legs official teaser? No, I saw that it popped up when we were watching. Um, it's another it's another it's it it works it's fine like um maybe there's like a few more images in it but that's about it um so again like i think just like the uh the first trailer that we watched um what was that called again uh lovely deep and dark dark and deep lovely dark and deep um i think this works just as well like in terms of like not giving too much away um we've been like we've talked about this a few weeks ago like with the short like 20 second trailers <laughs> and they do something similar here where you get a few more images but none of them give anything away i think one of the big things i've realized and why this works is there's no dialogue it's just images i think dialogue gives a hell of a lot away in a trailer even more so than images yeah, it's kind of gives me a vibe of like the hereditary trailer mm-hmm Like it's just, it's just imagery with like the, you know, cryptogram being kind of like drawn slowly, like on the screen that comes out as like long legs. 
So a lot of these are just images that have already we've already seen through those other trailers, except for a few. And Nicolas Cage breathing. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't come out until fucking like August or something, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a long time. That's really upsetting. You know what else is upsetting to me? What? I guess apparently we're not going to get the Godzilla Minus One release over here until probably November-ish. What? Because the company that put it out in Japan, um, Toho or whatever, um, that's what they do is they like wait a really long time to build the anticipation for it after it's left the theaters. So that's like you really mm. like want to come back and watch it again, even if you've already seen it. This is outside of like, I mean, it, that's like some fucking, oh, hold on. <laughs> July 8th. That's almost August. Yeah. Okay. So July 8th, uh, Disney plus. Really? For a minus one? Yep. Yeah, well, at least I'll be able to watch it for sort of free. Um, This is outside of this real topic, like the trailers and stuff, but I've started collecting Japanese um, lobby promo magazines. Okay. Um, I bought some when we went to RetroCon, and I've bought some more since. And I got the Godzilla minus one one, and it's fucking amazing. Nice. Like it's um they do like uh sketches and promo stuff and like it shows the whole history of like Godzilla like released on VHS and I don't know. It's all in Japanese, so I have no idea what the fuck any of it's saying, but I can deduce just from looking at the pictures. But it's those things are beautiful, man. And like Yeah. The the ones you got at um too many no, not too many games. Retro Retrocon. Yeah. Um, we're really nice, yeah. I like those. They reminded me of those um fake things that I got. Like they were the real like posters of the time period. I don't know if you remember me getting those. I have them in my office at work of the old like forties noir movies oh, yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like I that. Remember. Like the little like half sheet type things that they would put Is out back the, then. When when I was a I don't know if this was like this up here. When I was a kid in Baltimore, like when you would go to a movie, they would sell something like that in the lobby. Like hmm. The general cinemas in White Marsh, because I had the Return of the Jedi one and the Empire Strikes Back one. I still have them somewhere at home. Um, and I think I had a Clash of the Titans one too, where it was like uh, not quite hardbound, but they would what they would call like like magazine bound or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, like hard spine. With just like pictures and concept art and interviews, and they were fucking amazing. And I don't know, like you, they would just sell them in the lobby, and that was how it was. Hmm. I guess that's how it still is. Like when you go to a theater in Japan, it's yeah, funny because we weird. went to. I've only been to one movie theater in Thailand, and um, the movie that we wanted to watch wasn't playing at the time, so we ended up leaving. Um, but. There's nothing like that there. Like, there, it, it, everything is automated. Like, the ticket kiosk, like, each individual movie has its own, like, basically a kiosk on the wall, and you open, like, you select your time, and anyway, it's just, it's... It's um, fantastic. Yeah, like, you don't... And for for a culture that's really built on, 
customer service basically really and like the idea of um like interacting with 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 the people and them like smiling and being friendly with you um it's really kind of an interesting like divergence from that and just kind of hmm. you know you're just sort of in control of your own destiny right but those movie theaters are like i i told um i told my wife that we really need to like force ourselves to just spend an afternoon and go to a movie um when we're there this time like mm-hmm. no matter what just go find something that she wants to see or that i want to see the problem is she hates horror movies and that's usually like all i want to go watch so right like whatever go great. see a fucking go see a sci-fi action movie frank it's not going to kill you watch them no- at home no i wanted to there was nothing out the last time we were there <laughs> we were fucking argyle we were there just before something came out. We missed Fast and the Furious and Transformers by like a couple months. And it was right before something else came out that she wanted to see. And it literally opened like the day that I left. So we, we didn't have a chance to see it. So I'll have to find out what's coming out like May, early June. Um, and we'll go and see it. But yeah. Um... You know what comes out while you're gone? What's that? Furiosa. Uh, I don't know how she would feel about that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm not sure. I didn't know. Uh, but that comes out. Um, <clears throat> it's very much like they love broad strokes in right. their movies. And I don't I don't want to say I'm not trying to be um I don't know, like derogatory or condescending. It's just that Does she like the John Wick stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ballerina comes out in early June, like the John Wick spinoff, um, with um, Anna Diarmas. Did I ever have you watch a movie called We Go On? We Go On does not ring any bells. You don't have Shutter right now, do you? No. If you get Shutter again, it it's been on Shutter for in three years now. You should you should watch it. Oh no! You'll be back by then. Bad Boys Four would be coming out the week after you leave. I will never watch a Bad Boys movie in a theater. You can kiss my ass, Frank. Kiss my grits is what I mean to say. Never say never. Um, not anything in life, but um, yeah, Ballerina seems like a good good prospect. Um, potentially if you're all right. Let's uh. Let's watch one more here. Uh, so this is a short teaser for a Linklater movie that's coming out um, oh. in June. Oh, uh, let me tell you something. I don't want to yeah. watch this now, and I don't mean to cut you off. Watch the watch the trailer when we're not talking for the new Julia Louis Dreyfus movie. That's on my list of like things in my Word document. Yeah, we can't watch it together, man. That movie that's... is going to be fucking devastating. Yeah, yes. yeah. Like uh, it, okay. it is going to be. I guarantee that movie makes makes us both ball like little mm. children. Okay. Like when Yeah, that's on my like, list of like 3A24 movies is uh, like that one. Um that I have. Yeah, this is one that I um I only found in another movie a trailer that I'm trying to avoid to watching but only because like I'm I don't want to hate the world. Um that's also a Netflix movie that comes out in March, but 
but it was recommended, so I am now watching. We we're watching this instead. So this is a Linklater movie that is a comedy that's like looks off the beaten track for him, which I found interesting. Uh, called Hitman it comes out in uh, also in June on Netflix. Um, Netflix original. You enjoying your pie? All pie is good pie. So, am I the right guy to eliminate your problem? I'm already sold. What sold you on that? Tell me. I just think it's got a really like, like, look, you know that I always want him to be successful. Yes. Um, I just like, I, I, I like the vibe of it. Like, I like the comfortableness of the dialogue. I, I think when he's, I think when he's on, he's the best at like pulling real emotion and performance out of actors. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I think he makes actors really comfortable. I have not yet watched um what's that movie called where where did you go whatever that uh, that la- that last one that he did Bernadette uh, yeah where did you go Bernadette yeah yep I haven't watched that yet although I thought it looked pretty good but I've just never brought myself to do it um I don't know. I, I I think he's got a real knack for like just pulling good performances out of actors. Mm-hmm. I hate fucking um whatever that one that's sort of like a pseudo sequel to Dazed and Confused. Um mm, yeah. The one that's set in like the baseball college mm-hmm. like fraternity. I really yeah. don't enjoy that movie at all, but I still think it's got really good performances in it. So Yeah. Just, yeah, just I was fine it. with it. I was just curious to like why you like <clears throat> so quickly said that. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I it's it's something that looks enjoyable. I don't know who that guy is that's uh, that was playing the lead role. Um, it is a guy named Glenn Powell. Um, that that I don't familiar. that I don't think I'm familiar with necessarily. Um, maybe I am. Okay, he was in a role in Maverick. He was in. Like John Glenn and Hidden Figures years ago. Like, yeah, I'm not familiar with this guy, I don't think. Um and stuff, but he's given off a um and maybe it's purposeful. He's given off a little bit of a cruise vibe, like playing that hitman character. Yeah. To me. Um so yeah, I'll I'll watch it. Um I kinda wanna see what's going on there. You know what? Fuck it, Frank. We're gonna watch a movie that was I I I the trailer that I didn't want to watch, and then we'll be done. So what we're gonna watch here is the full trailer for a Netflix movie coming out on March first called Spaceman. Um, it is a Adam Sandler vehicle, but a drama, I think. Of the Europe space program. 
189 days into your solo journey. Commander Prohatska, how are you feeling? I'm already like really annoyed. Lenka, of course. I'm sure she's looking forward to having your home safe and sound. Is he Russian? Yes. And this is his wife. This is straining the bounds of credulity. <laughs> oh, that's interesting, I guess. Director of Chernobyl. I'm getting interference. I did not intend to frighten you, skinny human. <laughs> Do not be afraid. <laughs> I'm losing my mind. I'm on board. You wish to know if I am real. I am like you. An explorer. Your loneliness intrigued me. Why are you here? I might be of help. I wish to assist you in your emotional distress. I don't need your help. But you do. You go where I go, and I go where you go, right, Spaceman? These are your thoughts. I am simply finding them with you. How do you feel? <laughs> I can't with this. I can't with this. I'm gonna be so annoyed by this Everything movie. Yeah, go ahead. How do I feel? How about do you Warcraft? feel about a movie that's set in a region of the world that has a very specific dialect or accent that ignores that dialect or accent just to let the actors speak in their own native tongue, kind of their own native? I mean, I think it's cheap. I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. Like if I were making a movie, I think it's really cheap and off-putting and disrespectful to that region or culture or whatever. Like, like maybe you should just hire actors that are of that like national origin or speak whatever that native sure. tongue, or change the fucking story. Right? Like, why does it have to be a cosmonaut? Right? It could be anything. Right. Yes. It's not based on a real, like, real event, so you can make it anywhere. Oh, you don't yeah. think a dude, like, really meant, like, a fucking eight-eyed spider in outer space? You don't know what happens anywhere. Could happen. <laughs> um, I can't. That movie's gonna be so over-fucking-done. So overdone. Like, it's gonna be some kind of mind fuck. You know, Sandler's gonna, like, you know be disaffected for a lot of it and goofy for two scenes and he's going to cry effectively in one scene and people are going to like freak the fuck out over the performance and he's going to get nominated for golden globe um a people's but, choice award <laughs> either one they're they're both they're basically the equivalent of each no, other now he's going to get nominated for an MTV movie <laughs> award so he can win a spaceman for spaceman boom <laughs> mic drop um Nailed. yes yeah that movie's really gonna annoy me um i'm glad i just got it out of the way though 
All right. So next week we have bemused, confused, and ready to abuse as the category. And Frank claims he's already found the movie. Um, I have three movies on my watch list. (laughs) Uh, Don't forget, you got to start watching the Saw movies, though. Just slowly. Yeah. Slowly to start watching. Fuck me, man. Those movies are going to be so bad. Yeah. Yeah, you, I still guess got, you still got a bit. You got you got a like a rough, roughly a month or so before like we got to talk about them. So, bro, if I don't force myself to start watching that shit, ain't never gonna get watched. So I gotta just maybe you just like it. hold off and then rip it off like a band aid and do all four in one weekend. No, because I don't feel like I wasted a weekend. Do you know how depressing that is when I do that shit? What if they're better? What if they're better, buddy? I watched twenty five minutes of. I don't even know Jigsaw the other night, maybe. Yeah. And I had to stop. What are you what are and you doing? I go jumping ahead to... and getting some spoilers? Man, there ain't no spoiler in that movie. Because <laughs> it's back, if there was, backstory from it. the past. Like Yeah, backstory from the future. It's yeah. I I don't know, buddy. I it's just it was I can't believe I gotta go back and finish watching that movie. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, you know what? It was so much better directed than anything we've seen so far. And that was the most depressing thing is that it still was so, like it felt like a, it was bad, but it still, still felt like it was like a real director. Um, yeah, I felt like there was actually some really clever, like classical, you know, like right. film techniques being used. And there was one scene that I honestly was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. But then, like, I realized when I was watching it, I was like, fuck, man, the garbage. Yeah. <coughs> I didn't um, realize what I was watching. I knew what I was watching. I just remembered. Yeah, the reason for that. What are you oh, doing shit. here, bro? I think my internet access, like, fucking just, like, died and, like, kicked back in. That was that was weird. That's yeah. never happened to us before on the podcast. I was trying to look up the fucking director of Jigsaw real quick, and somehow I started opening that tab, and I think I killed the internet. Um, I think they didn't want me to know. The um, forbidden uh, but yeah, it's what I thought. The, the director of that, the directors of that movie never directed another Saul, so um, they're like completely independent of anybody else involved in that stupid fucking franchise. But um, that's pretty good that uh, just kicked right back in. Like Zoom was just like, "Yep, we're recording again." Like, right. you should ask AI to give a transcript of my confusion. Hold on. I wonder if AI, hold on. We'll, we'll turn it on real quick and just um, start. Got it. Um, can you, this is the worst AI of all time. Zoom's AI is the worst AI ever. Can you tell me if Frank was confused when we lost the internet? It's not going to understand what I'm talking about. Not much has happened since the AI companion was turned. Oh, right, because the AI companion wasn't turned on. Right? Mm. Uh, I guess I always have to have it on if we're going to do that. But then yeah. it's annoying to me. Um, hold on, catch me up. Based on the meeting transcript, the meeting has just started. And not much has happened. Chris Gasperi expressed frustration with the AI and mentioned the potential issue with Frank being confused when they lost the internet. However, no further details or updates were provided. Yeah, because the AI is dumb. Actually, the AI like summarized everything perfectly. It really um, did. But all right. Um, well, 
Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back with uh, next week with the Muse confused and ready to abuse. Deuces. <laughs>